This is Matthew and Mikey on ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. All righty, welcome back in. Matthew and Mikey. And Matthew is, uh, say hello, Matthew. Uh, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> All right. The Never. first name is Matthew on this show. Never mind. Okay. All right. I, I don't. Anyway, the reason why Matthew is not with me, we're sharing a microphone, is because we have rare happiness right now. The great HOF, Chris McCarron, has joined us in the studio. Not only did he not, I told you he wouldn't call. I told you he wouldn't call. But he didn't call because he's actually he's here. here. Right. And we've got That's the great Chris. Dick Girardi here is the only reason he came. I know that. <laughs> Hi, Chris McCarron. Hey, Mikey. How you doing, Dick Girardi? Chris, I am great, my man. One of my favorite writers of all time right here. I, I appreciate that. Yep. I, Chris, Hi, Chris. Chris and I go way, way back. Yeah, right? we Chris. sure do. One of my favorite writers of all time, too. Oh, is that Matthew over there? It is. He's well, out of here. He's, he's, he's in taking a bad his mood today, He huh? does seem yeah, to be a little Yeah, he's always in a bad mood. Yeah. I don't know yeah, what's wrong man. with him. I don't know what's up with him. I think he's getting a little cocky because I just heard him say, it's the Matthew and Mikey show, so I think his head is getting a little bit oh, big. Well, yeah. now, Chris put up some of the great rides in horse racing history. The one I'll always remember, Chris, was when you got the late shot at Sunday Silence in the classic at Gulfstream, man, and you got away from and him. And the oncoming power of Easy Gore. <laughs> you made that move on the turn, and you got away from him, and he couldn't catch you. It was yeah. tremendous. I remember when you pulled Ali Sheba up off his knees. In the- yeah, I appreciate that credit, but there's no, see, horses weigh about 1,000 pounds. <laughs> Ali Sheba's fighting weight was 1,075 pounds. So what I've got in front of me is at least 500 pounds. <laughs> you did it out of necessities. <laughs> I did it out of fear. <laughs> they said, how did you stay on that horse? I said, I was scared. <laughs> scared to fall. <laughs> no, but there's, all I did was get back on the saddle, get back on his back and let him right himself. There's no way we can pick a horse up. No, I know. Yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to set the record well, straight. Well, Chris, what was the visibility? It's been 30 years now since Ali Sheba won the Classic in the dark at Churchill. What was the visibility like at the end of that day as you are riding the race? It was very, very dark, and um, anytime you see the replay, you know how dark it is as they cross the finish line because there's a bright light so that they can get the right, good photos. Right, on the finish line, yeah. Yeah, so they can get the good photos. But um, Tom Durkin, I was with him today, and he told me there was a mistake made the year before when NBC sent their team over there, they went during daylight savings time. Oh, and got the time messed up. for. And they got the time messed up. So it went off an hour later than it should have. And so consequently, the sun was gone. And uh, you couldn't really tell it on TV because they can increase the gain. Right. And um, so anyway, we got there. I remember sitting in my hotel room the day before and looked at it at post time and I'm saying, well, hold on. I mean, it was dark then. And then, of course, we had the rainy. Oh, I mean, it was an awful day. Yeah. It, it was, was one of the great days. It was probably the greatest Breeders' Cup ever run. I mean, Personal Ensign won that day and, and Ali Sheba's final race. But you couldn't see if you were at the track. It was yeah. Too dark. One of the neatest things about that, though, was when I got back to the winner's circle, there was a, a group of fans behind the winner's circle. Uh, mind you, it was election week, like, like it is this right. year. And there was a group of people behind the winner's circle holding up this banner, Ali Sheba for president. <laughs> and that's how popular he became. Yes, he did. Uh, the duel in the dark. The duel uh, in the dark. Seeking yeah. the gold was making the run at you? Is that? Is, yeah, I, he actually got in front of us. Oh, I didn't. He actually passed you in the yeah, street. Well, he got 
you know, maybe a nose okay. or a head in front. And okay. Ali Sheba just pinned his ears and said, no, not today. Is he, is he the best you rode, Chris? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. he rode some great ones. That's, yeah. Tells you yeah, a lot. And that's hard for you to say because you have ridden so many great horses. Well, I did a seminar today. I was on a panel uh, with the OwnerView Conference that's put on by mm-hmm. the Jockey Club over at Churchill Downs today. And uh, I was on a jockey panel with Steve Cawthon and Sandy Hawley. And Tom Durkin uh, was the moderator. And one of the ladies in the audience asked me, um, I'm not asking you the best horse you ever rode, but who was your favorite horse that you rode? And I just had to give her a list. I didn't have one. <laughs> Ali Sheba, John Henry, Precisionist, Flawlessly. Mm. Uh, I mean, I was so blessed to have uh, such a great, great opportunities to throw a leg over these horses that could flat all the mail and john henry what his career was is unbelievable the most impressive stat of john henry's career was that he earned six and a half million dollars on the track when he retired in 1984 he was leading money winner of all time the most impressive stat was he earned one-third of those earnings of 2.3 million dollars in one season his last that doesn't he earned 2.3 million dollars at nine years of age that'll never happen again no chance yeah that's awesome By the way, uh, and I didn't get in his way. That question <laughs> came from, I'm guessing, Carew, since her and Sandy Hawley now, Carew Suchia, a good friend of ours, and Sandy, a good friend of ours. Yeah. Congratulations to them, by the way. Yeah, they're um, engaged. Fiancés, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're engaged. And um, I was uh, Sandy's best man at a second wedding. Is this another career for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if he's going to ask me this time around because that marriage only lasted about. Uh, four or five years. So, <laughs> are, are they going to get married here in Lexington? You know, I'm not sure if it's going to be in Lexington or Toronto. That'll Chris, be a fun wedding. <laughs> Chris, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Any particular races in mind? Well, um, you probably know I'm working for Team Valor now. And we we run a colt tomorrow in the juvenile turf called the Black Album. Okay. He's got decent form. Right. He's 31 on the morning line. And uh, the one thing I like about him is... I met his trainer, a young lady. Um, she's only been training for two years, but she's by a trainer, out of a trainer, <laughs> by a trainer. I love it. By a person. It's yeah, that's, a person. That's the right pedigree. Yeah. She's got the right pedigree. She's only been training for a couple of years. Cool. But um, she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said that his family has liked the soft going. Well, and it, he yeah. won at Longchamp. And this year at Longchamp, it was a bog, the whole meet. As a matter of fact, the jockeys refused to ride one day because Ooh, the grass so, was so, so bad. bad. They had to wow. move it to a, the outer course. Oh, man. And so um, I'm hopeful that this colt is going to be able to handle the bog because that's what it's going to be at Churchill no, no tomorrow. Question. By the way, Jane Subagni. Subagni, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's her name. Cool. Well, there you go. Chris is looking forward to Team Valor getting a win at 30-1. Yeah. to Are right, you going to be there tomorrow? I am. I'll be there tomorrow. Not for the whole day. I'm going to go over a little late because I think this colt runs in, what, the seventh race? Uh, it's the it's definitely later in the day. Yes, yeah, later. I think in the it's day. the second to last Breeders' Cup race. Does that sound right? That yeah, right. it is. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I'm going for the whole day on Saturday. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, it's. How do you have? I haven't asked Dick this, and I'll ask you both. How do you all go about handicapping the Breeders' Cup? Because it's almost an impossible task when you have this many horses, this many races. Do you have a? Dick told me his before we talked off off air. 
Well, I mean, I spent, look, this is the, like the final exam. If you haven't been studying all year, you got no shot. You can't catch up. And I've been watching these horses all year, as I'm sure Chris has. And then the ones I was unfamiliar with last weekend, I got in what I call my video bunker, and I wanted to watch as many of them as I could to get a sense of, because if I'm gambling, I want to know how the race is going to be run. And that's how you get a sense of watching videos, how the jockeys ride horses and stuff like that. So that that's a huge part of the preparation I do. But it's hard. But it's so much fun because there's so many good horses running. So you're a trip handicapper. I am. I've always been that way, Chris. And I was a trip rider. You were, and I said that earlier. You were my favorite guy because if I thought you were going to be here, you were always where I thought you were going to be. Well, that was important. Um, The guy I work for, Barry Irwin, he was on a panel yesterday with uh, some other owners, and he said when he buys horses from Europe, he buys them on their style. He He doesn't buy pedigree. He's not interested in pedigree. He's interested in talent. He wants to, he wants a quick return on investment, not a long-term return on investment. So he buys a horse that has style, and he wants a horse that um, can lay fairly close, not have to come from the clouds like they do over in Europe. Uh, but he wants a horse that's got decent speed, that can set off the pace, and come with a quick turn of, turn of pace. And um, that's what this colt looks like he's got. He's, he's cool. been laying close in his races. And um, hopefully uh, he'll be able to handle the ground, number one, and have enough class. All he's done is he's won a grade three, but that's not bad. Uh, but he's he's got his hands full. There's some nice colts in there. How do you guys go about handicapping the European horses? <laughs> I wish, and I'm sure Dick would uh, concur, I wish they would put more information in the form with regard to how the race unfolded. You know, when we look at our uh, horses that run here, we can see exactly how many lengths they are after the first quarter of a mile mm-hmm. off the pace, how many lengths they are off the pace, how many lengths they are off, off the pace at the head of the stretch, and how much ground they've closed. In, in Europe and South America, they've got the data. They can share it with Equibase, who puts all this information in the racing form. They've got the data. All they got to do is just share it, and it would be a lot easier for us. You know, I don't. I'm not going to buy a time form. I'm not going to buy... Because, uh, you know, that's kind of hieroglyphics to me. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, there's a lot more reading to it than just glossing over uh, whether a horse got speed just off the pace, comes from mid-pack, or comes from deep closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the way. That's I handicap for strategy. I don't handicap to find out who's the horse to beat. You still handicap like you're riding. I would, exactly. Yeah. That's what I do. And if I'm going to bet, which I do very seldom because um, I'm tighter than two coats of paint, <laughs> but uh, if I'm going to handicap um, and going to wager on a race, I'm going to try to find the horse that's going to get the best trip. And hopefully he's got a, a pilot that knows how to get that job done. You got any particular thing you do, Dick? Well, I'm always looking for a horse to, and a rider to put the horse in where the horse is most comfortable. The analogy I always give people, imagine you're on a highway and you're driving like on 95 and there's traffic everywhere or you're on a country road. You're always going to feel more comfortable on the country road. Watch the jockeys who get their horses in a comfortable spot, whether it's in front, alone, in reasonable fractions, or like Jerry Bailey, like Chris, was a great position rider, like fourth behind three horses in front of him in the clear. So I, that's what I want. And, and if you get horses that have talent and you put them in a spot where they're comfortable during the race, they're going to give you their best shot when you want them. Apparently having driven the back roads in Bourbon County. 
That's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty narrow, aren't they, Chris? Oh, they are. <laughs> and same with Ireland, too. You go, yeah. go go to Ireland, and, man, those those roads are some kind I live of tight. In the north, I live in the northeast, man. We got all these crazy drivers <laughs> on, on, on the interstates. What do we got, like a minute left? Chris, would you be able to stay over? I'll let Matthew talk, if if you will. Yeah, I can stay for a little bit. We're going to have Kurt Becker on in a few minutes. Well, you know Kurt from out of racing right I, there. Of course I know Kurt Becker. <laughs> yeah, don't one, of the, you think, one of the best announcers in the country. Don't you think he is, he great. is the greatest announcer <laughs> in the history of Keeneland? Yeah, that would um, qualify. I'd, I'd qualify him for that spot since he was the only one. Exactly. <laughs> Was, we that, always was tell, that a trick question? No, we always, I was listening to you guys coming over here. We always tell Kurt this. He's the greatest. This is Matthew and Mikey on ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. All right. This is something that has never happened in the 10 years I've been here. Uh, welcome back. It's Matthew and Mikey, ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Uh, I am sitting in the studio with three of the great people associated with horse racing on the planet. Angelo. (laughs) No, of course, Mikey, trainer of my favorite horse. Tell a little secret. Just saying. Uh, Hall of Famer, Eclipse Award winner, Chris McCarron, and Hall of Famer, Eclipse Award winner, the great Dick Girardi. Brought to you under the auspices of ExpressBet.com. My good friends at ExpressBet, and, and jo- I know uh, Chris knows Johnny D very well. Johnny D. He, he knows John DeSantis okay, from Johnny. way back Johnny in the day. D. He's a, you know, he used to hang out in the racing office, some other PR office in yeah. Southern California. Yeah, I've known John since 1979. There you Holy go. cow. Yeah. Johnny D. He's one of our favorites, yeah. Johnny D. Yeah, and on man. the line with us now, the, they are all saying the best track announcer in the history of Keeneland. No, I didn't say that. I well, you Kurt, did too. You brought it up. Kurt, Chris McCarron said it. Mikey said it. Now only Mikey I'm not said saying. It. I'm that. saying Kurt's one of the best in the country. In the, that, in that's the what business I'm anywhere. Yeah, Kurt terrific. Becker is on the line, and I am now turning the microphone over to the horse people. <laughs> Hello, Kurt. Welcome in. Hey, fellas. Good to be with you once again. Well, I, I know that. Aren't you the greatest racing announcer <laughs> in the history of Keeneland? Well, well, you, you can know, say that. Well, this 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 often comes up because, of course, the you know the conventional wisdom is that I I'm the only announcer Keeneland's ever had. But uh, I told someone the other day, if you ever want to win a trivia contest, a little trivia for you, people forget this. Uh, go back to the spring of '99. I was hospitalized up in my native Illinois. Uh, I was dehydrated. I'd been battling the flu, and I missed opening weekend. If if you go back, <laughs> if you go online and find Silver Bullet Day winning the Ashland, you will actually hear Mike Battaglia with the call. That's because Mike was kind enough to cover for me that weekend. So so technically, I'm not the only announcer <laughs> Keeneland's ever there you go. That's pretty a lot like of honor that. because he's the greatest announcer in the history of Turfway. I, I tell you what, you know, when Mike <laughs> retired from his role on camera at Keeneland uh, a year ago at this time, uh, I, I talked to a lot of my colleagues and friends about it, and uh, we, we hated to see that happen just because of the fact that, A, Mike is so good at what he does, and, B, to have Mike in the press box. Anytime you could get one-on-one with Mike and listen to him tell racing stories, he never disappointed. 
And speaking of racing stories, Kurt, I mentioned this earlier, and I know Chris knows him well. Is there any better racing story person in history than Mark Reed? And you know, you know Mark from way back in the day in Maryland when he used to work for Dudrow. <laughs> yeah, I've known Mark for a long time, but yeah. I, I heard you say that when I was listening on Phenomenal. the radio coming in here, and I, I didn't really know he was that prolific he, in yeah, telling stories. He, he put on a show this year at Saratoga for like an hour and a half one night with a whole bunch of us. Got a lot of the DRF guys were there, and he just, I mean, you know, st- there's a lot of great racetrack storytellers. Kurt, I know you've heard them, but yeah, Mark's one of the very best, and he's been around the game uh, longer than longer than I have, probably longer than Chris even. I remember when uh, Mike Battaglia, and we won't go on with Mike, but when he was doing the NBC telecast, along with, I can't remember the guy's name that's a gambler from New York. Um, Boston. Boston. Who? What's Bo- Bob Newmeyer. Bob Newmeyer. And they were talking about Lure in the Breeders' Cup Mile that one year, and Bob said, eh, you know what, I don't really like his outside post position. He was number 14. Yeah, and at, Mike said... At Santa Anita in 1993. That's awesome. <laughs> and Mike says, I don't care if he starts from the parking lot. They're not going to beat Lure in this race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that telecast, and uh, I tell you, one of my favorite uh, Mike Battaglia stories was uh, actually from the Derby and I'm wanting to say it might have been the year Sonny's Halo won. It was one of the uh, additions from the early 1980s. 1982. 83. Three. Yeah, 83. 83. That's, that's right. And wh- I finished second one to him. Desert wine. Did you hear that? Chris ran second to him. He remembers. Well, well you know, and, and Chris <laughs> maybe might, might be able to confirm this. Whatever, whatever derby it was, and I think maybe it was that one, was that the year that, like, these ominous storm clouds kind of rolled in right at post time? Do you remember, Chris? Um, I don't recall that, no. I thought I thought in 90, I mean, in 83, it was a pretty nice day. Uh, there, but, there was one of those years in the early 80s where Mike said that uh, there, were, there were very threatening storm clouds right as the horses were loading in the gate. Oof. It did not start raining till the race was complete, but Mike said all of a sudden it was just like calling the race at midnight. And, and he often said that basically the top three horses coming out of the gate stayed there all the way around the track. And he said, you know, really kind of bailed him out because on the far turn, it was just you couldn't see anything. Mm. Hey, I, I, Kurt, this is one thing I want to share with the audience and, sure. and with my uh, colleagues here. Um, I heard this from Tom Durkin up at Saratoga last summer, he was explaining how difficult it is to call a race in the mud when, it, when it's sloppy. Now, most, most of the general public don't realize that you're calling, you're identifying the horses as they're running by you, the jockey's colors. And after the horses have gone a half a mile in the slop, all of a sudden, <laughs> the colors are all the same. They're all brown. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, I don't think there's enough appreciation given to announcers. You guys make it sound and look so easy that uh, we take it for granted. And uh, I don't think anybody uh, who doesn't know what you go through really has a, enough appreciation of how difficult what your job is. Well, it's it's funny you would mention that, Chris, because one of my favorite stories to tell actually ties into uh, McKenzie, who's running in the Breeders' Cup Classic this year. His his first dam is runway model, and she won the Alcibiades at Keeneland as a, as a two-year-old. And I've always told people that that call was absolutely a disaster. And but the reason was, even though I think technically the track was fast that day, she came from the back of the pack, 
And her owner had silks that were predominantly white with some red and blue trim. And Rafael Bay Hirano was the jockey. Well, she comes from the back of the pack, and that's one of those races that finishes in the short stretch well before they even get to where the track announcer is standing. And, and I promise you, when she made her move from the back, turning for home, because of what you just described, because the silks were covered with dirt and mud, I had no idea who she was because your mind plays tricks on you. I, I remember looking through the binoculars and thinking, okay, this jockey's got a brown cap and brown silks. There is nobody in this race <laughs> that's got a brown cap and brown silks. Yeah. But, uh, you, you know, as a result, uh, McKenzie... Uh, for for sentimental reasons, is probably uh, uh, one of my favorites this weekend. I, I actually went when his when his mother when Runway Model came back and sold uh, at Keeneland at the end of her racing career. I felt so badly about it. Two years later, I went back to the barn to apologize to her in person. <laughs> hey, hey, Kurt, I've got another question for you. Um, how much do you rely on recognizing the jockey's style? For instance, when when you're um, when your ability to call the race due to mud or slop is inhibited by the all the dirt and everything, uh, how much do you rely on the jockey style? Because after you've watched these jockeys for a while, you can tell who's who. And, and that's true. You, you know, you, you can, you can, and, and especially uh, at a at a brief, very intense uh, boutique kind of meet like Keeneland, you you see. Uh, a, a lot of the top echelon jockeys race after race each day of the meet. And you do kind of get used to who sits a certain way, uh, riding styles. Uh, you, you start recognizing. So, you know, so, some, sometimes it might even be something. Uh, there are certain jockeys you can look through the binoculars and, and almost just kind of, you know, recognize facial structure and, and, and just body posture and things like that. I'd I tell you, one, one of my favorite all-time rainy day muddy track stories uh, back when I called at Churchill back in the late 90s. I can remember one that Pat Day was riding for uh, Mr. Farish, for Will Farish. And, I mean, it poured rain all day long, and that track, it, it was just a soupy mess. And they turned for home. It was a big, bulky field, and I don't remember uh, what race it was or who the horse was, but but here, here they come. They fan about eight wide for the lead at the top of the stretch, and I was overwhelmed, and my, my heart skipped a beat. You know what bailed me out that day was I remember Pat, Pat Day, as he twirled the whip around and moved his shoulder, the only thing I could discern on anybody's silks was shining through the mud on his sleeves were those famous uh, Will Farish Lane's End gold chevron and <laughs> that was all i could see on anybody and thankfully that was the horse that that kept uh, the rally going and ended up winning that's yeah that's cool that's uh wasn't it that the preakness this year when it was so foggy? forget it you yeah. couldn't see anything i was there you couldn't sit on a house you were larry, there weren't you kurt larry did it off tv you couldn't see a thing yeah, yeah I, I was there and i tell you what amazed me about the job that larry colmas did for tv that day in fact i i told him after the race that night i you know, he, I, I said, how, how did you manage? And he said, well, you know, typical of Larry, he was humble about it. And he said, well, you know, NBC, they had a, a drone camera that followed the horses and cut through a lot of the fog. And, and he said, I had two monitors, one to my right, one to my left in the booth where I could call a lot of the race off the monitor. But, you know, that's all well and good, but that is not natural. It is not natural for a track announcer or a television announcer 
to pull the binoculars down and and because you're you're relying on somebody else's perspective you know that typically you've got the binoculars up you can go anywhere you want in the field and talk about whatever you want to and even with the drone cameras he was still at the mercy mercy of the camera angle the camera shot the producer and i just think that was a phenomenal job couldn't agree more because you literally i was there you could not see anything it, and, and you could tell it was happening like an hour before and that's an announcer's well, I'm sure you've called in the fall, Kurt. That's the announcer's worst nightmare. You got no shot. <laughs> All right, Kurt, yeah. give us the best your best bet Friday or Saturday. Okay, I, I'll I'll give you tomorrow. I'll tell you one that uh, I, she's not going to be a price, but I just don't see how she gets beat, and that is Chad Brown's Philly newspaper of record in the juvenile Phillies turf. Uh, I, I just think she is phenomenal, and she has shown you know she can handle some some soft ground which it looks like uh, that they very well might have to deal with tomorrow. And, and then looking ahead to, to Saturday, I, you know what, I've, I'm going to go for an upset in the turf. Uh, I'm tickled to death, and Abel is coming. I think it's a great story. I think she is a heck of a filly. But uh, after looking at some video, the horse that was fourth behind her in the arc, a horse named Valdegeist, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with him for an upset in the turf on, uh, on Saturday. All righty, well, Kurt, we certainly appreciate it, and it's always an honor to have the greatest race caller in the history of Keeneland. Come on. <laughs> Fellas, good to be with you, and a happy Breeders' Cup to one and all. Thank you very hey, much, thanks, Kurt. Thanks, Kurt. Great talking to you. All righty, uh, Chris McCarron, you're going to have to get out of here. Dick, you I'll can hang, stay. I can hang with you guys. Sure. Okay, Dick's going to stay with us, but I'm going across the street to a fundraiser. There you go. I'm going to the Lexington, Lexington Opera House. Uh, they're having a... a, a an event tonight to benefit the Hope Center. That's great. Oh, that's pretty Tremendous. cool. Yeah. You, you've become such a humanitarian. It always has been. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just enjoy engaging and, and getting involved. Despite what Matthew said, I'm really honored that you came by to join our show. Well, thanks. I thought I'd surprise you. Instead of, instead of calling in, since I knew I was going right across the street, I thought I'd just walk in and surprise the heck out of you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, guys. Good All luck. Right. Happy Breeders' Cup. All righty. Uh, Dick Girardi's going to hang around. We'll take some phone calls if you want to call us. 381-1313. Uh, Matthew and Mikey right here on ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. This is Matthew and Mikey on ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. All right, I'm now back in my chair that has been occupied by the great Chris McCarron for the last little while. If you were going to give up the chair, Matthew, is a good man to give it up yeah, to. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. One of the best. I agree. And Chris, by the way, not to, he's been an old friend of the show, been on many times, mm-hmm. hosted with us as well. He just... I don't know why Matthew's been so mean to him lately. <laughs> now nah, he, he's a natural. I mean, I know Chris did some TV from time, and he, he could have done that forever. He's, yeah. he's, great at, he's great at explaining things. He obviously he could do horse racing anytime on TV, radio, anywhere else. He's great at it. By the way, you know Jerry Bailey does a great job, too. I, I know he Jerry. does. Yeah, yeah, he Jerry does do was one of, the, one of the smartest writers ever lived, mm-hmm. and, and he tells you things you don't know. That's, that's what you want from people. In any sport. That, right? You don't want, hey, that guy just made a layup. Yeah, I'm aware of this fact. <laughs> uh, 381-1313, uh, the great, legendary, iconic Dick Girardi. <laughs> I know, I can't, I I can't help it. It's a, uh, 
and you don't disagree with me. Absolutely not. You know what Ali said. You, you know what Ali said. It ain't bragging if it's fact. Uh, uh, Ali, Ali was my man, as we talked about. I yes, remember we when, did. when uh, his funeral a couple of years ago. Yep. And I, I, don't, I don't. One of the it wasn't one of the last stories I did, but I came back the year after that went for the Derby the following year, which would have been seventeen, and did the tour of the peri- of the funeral procession. I remember you and telling me you were on the show with us. Yeah. Ben, wrote a, yeah. ben wrote a column about it a, in a year after Ali had died. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I went and ended up at uh, Cave Hill Cemetery, which is where he's buried. Right. Over in the, I think it's the east, east, east end of Dan, at the end of Broadway. Yeah. If my memory serves well, me correctly. Well, it ain't bragging if it's fact, and you are all those things, well, Dick Girardi. ExpressBet.com. Yes, sir. ExpressBet.com. Get on there. Get on the website. Free Breeders' Cup Wagering Guide. Open an account and you can start playing like tomorrow. You can say you start playing tonight if you want, right. but you can play tomorrow. You got the Breeders' Cup races tomorrow and Saturday at Churchill, and then be a player. Stick keeps it being a player and uh, win some money. And yeah, bet it all on uh, bet yeah. it all on the two year old Philly Jaywalk. Jaywalk in the Philly. seventh, the By juvenile cross Phillies. By cross By traffic. Cross traffic. <laughs> it's just great. It's I already know more about horse racing today than I did yesterday. Really well named. Yeah. Cross traffic. <laughs> By cross traffic. Jaywalk. <laughs> You know, I went to claim a horse at Keeneland one time years ago, and the horse's name was Mumble Bumble, and her sire was Vodka Talking. (laughs) I didn't get her. I shook for her and lost. Now, I I love guys, uh, owners, that really put a lot of thought into what the breeding is, how they come up with some names, and there's obviously been some great ones through the years. Oh, yeah. That is one of the classic things is people trying to name horses. And you and I were talking before. Have you ever seen really even a derby horse? Mm-hmm. Several, a few, but not yep, many. Yep. But particularly triple crown horses that don't have the greatest names You're ever. Right. No, I mean secretariat. It just rolls off. Your yeah. Oh yeah. Come on. Yeah. Affirmed. I mean, I love. Yeah. I love. The, I love the one horse. Yeah. One word names. I Citation. Yeah. Yeah. Those one word away. Those one word names. Cool. Very cool. Man of war. No, he didn't win. He didn't win a triple crown. I just. You know right. what? He, he was he was actually uh, the owner was from Pennsylvania, but he was down in the eastern shore, of Maryland, man of war. And they said, "We're not going to Kentucky. The sticks back we're in the sticks. Med- we're going to the Preakness <laughs> in Baltimore, a real city. It's, it's actually hard to believe now, but they were, the Derby wasn't that big back no, then. No, and he he had the farm. Of course, he was foaled right out here on right. Georgetown Road, and yep. he had that farm then. Yeah. And he still didn't want to come to the sticks. And now he's got a big street named after there him. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Where, where man of war and where Admiral lived, it's now a Two golf courses on the eastern shore of Maryland, not far from Ocean City. There's one called the Man of War and one called the War Out. Oh, cool. So if you're ever down that way, Matthew. That'll be a bucket 36 for holes me. for you. Nice. Ready to roll. The bar- right. Part of the barn is still there. Oh, cool. Where the horses are. Right. Who do we have? Hal's on the line. Hal, good. Hi, Hal. How are you? Hey, Matthew, Mike, and Dick. How you doing? What's happening, Hal? Hello, Hal. I'm oh, doing all right. I just got a quick comment to uh, see your uh, – get some advice on the, the sprint is a heck of a race. Oh, man, that's uh, – there's some really good horses in that. I don't know where to go there, but what do you think about promises fulfilled? He may have to get out, get out on the lead. He can get the lead. Yeah, they're definitely going to send him. That's Dale Roman's horse. He's had a great year sprinting. Beating mostly three-year-olds, although he did beat the older horses. He beat Whitmore and uh, Limousine Liberal at Keeneland back on the 5th of October. He's a really talented horse. I just think he's in against, like, faster horses than he's been against all year, including Imperial Hand. 
And Roy H. ran one two in the race last year, but no, he's not without a chance. And there's no strategy; he's, they just got to send him. He'll, he's, he'll be he'll be going to the lead for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's no value in Roy H. I saw. Um, I mean, I'm just I always try to look for that value. Sure, uh, sure. But uh, and that's what we all want to do. But uh, you know, that's that's the idea. Yeah, idea. Um, it's real. What I love about the racetrack, Hal, it's real simple to keep score. Either you left with more money than you started with, or you didn't. <laughs> there's no there's no in between. Let me fill in on that. Mind your biscuits. You giving him any shot? Yeah. Oh no, I think I, I think he's got a, a real chance. Although, as I said before, there's 14 horses in. I can make a pretty good case for yeah. half of them. That's a really good well. Race. It is. They don't call it the World Championship no. of Racing no. Horse Racing for nothing. It's supposed to be easy. What, what race is Biscuits in? He's in the, the he's in the Classic. Oh, did he go in the Classic? Oh yeah, he's. Oh, oh I thought he went in the. Oh uh, uh, yeah, they were talking about deciding which one they wanted to go in. Yeah, they could. I mean, that's how versatile he is. He could have been in the Sprint with a chance, but yeah, they're going to run in the Classic. He's number, uh, I believe, he's eleven. Yeah, Biscuits is number and eleven in the Classic. He's in the Classic and not not the Mile. No, he's in the Classic. Yep. Okay. Yep. What other horse I've heard is doing good? Uh, Robert Bruce. We know about that. Well, he'll be in the turf. He's trained by Chad Brown, who's as good as it gets. Uh, a couple issues there. One, I think he's better on a firm course. We're obviously not getting a firm course on Saturday. That's straight from Chad yeah. himself. And second, he's in against these European horses who are just better than the American horses on grass. It's a and particularly if it's yielding. Right. The, the more soft or yielding it is, the, the more the Europeans who run on that stuff all the time uh, have a okay. bigger edge. Now, wait. This horse's name is Robert Bruce? It is. Yeah. Not Robert the Bruce. No, no Robert just, Bruce. Just okay. Robert Bruce. All right. I'm just saying. Yeah. That would be All some right, of we'll my people from Scotland. That would be. Yes. <laughs> uh, I was just asking Dick to give us a few more tips on uh, some races. I'm sure he will. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I thought so, uh, Kirk I thought Kirk made a, a great call with the newspaper of record and the juvenile Phillies turf tomorrow. That's a Chad yeah. Brown horse. They're, they're comparing her to Lady Eli at this point, which is pretty high praise. So I, I, I do like her. Um, on Saturday... I, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to give out a Nable, but everybody's going to give out a Nable. That's not that's not that complicated. Um, I'm going to give you a, a bombs away horse in the mm. uh, in the uh, turf sprint on Saturday, which is the first of the Breeders' Cup races. There's a, a mare in there called Chanteline. Uh, she won her last race at Keeneland. It was one of those eye catching when you watch the video, you just go, oh, it's a, probably the hardest race to handicap. Uh, but she'll be a big price, fifteen or twenty to one. So give Chanteline. How you C-H-A-N-T-E-L-E-N-E. Chanteline. She is in. Okay. Let me make sure I got the exact race right for you. It is race four on Saturday, which is the first of the Breeders' Cup races. And she okay. she is number eight. Chanteline, trained by the great Steve Asmussen. I'll tell you something else I heard on the radio this week on the horse racing talk. is there's uh, The Friday race, I don't have it in front of me. wish I did, but... Uh, there's a, a horse that uh, they, they supplemented in, meaning they won this horse in the race so bad. I guess you know more about Which it. Which race was it? Do you know? Get, it's uh, Lancelot, uh, uh, Dick. Something about, look it up there. It's, uh, I'm looking. Hang on a second. It's something about oh, Lady, late, lady, lady Prance a lot. Okay. It's. Did they pay to get her in the race? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but if she was, there, there's certain ways to get into the Breeders' Cup. You can, you can win a win in your in race or yeah. qualify by points, something else. And, but if you haven't been nominated at some point earlier, like the sire, 
there are extra fees that have to be put up. So there's very good, like you're saying, there, there, that may be the case that they did have to do that with this horse. I, I don't know that specifically, but yeah, that happens every year, and it's not inexpensive. It can be six figures. The legendary one was Wild again. They won the first Breeders' Cup Classic. They put up some insane four hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah, some insane amount of money, and it was thirty to one. It said, "What are you people yeah. doing?" And then he won the race. <laughs> they knew, <laughs> right? Right. That's the point. Is they the connections think think enough about the sure. horse that they really they say this horse needs to be in this race. Yep. And yeah. No. I, that, you know, you kind of, you kind of look at those kind of horses. No, A lot of the Breeders' Cup is done on breeding because the sires have to be Breeders' Cup. A pr- a nominated right, and do nominated. all that, and exactly. I think that's what happened. Wild again, he wasn't by a Breeders' Cup stallion. Right, that that I don't, mm. that was the first year of the Breeders' Cup right. at, at Hollywood Park, which is so long ago that Hollywood Park is no longer there. That's, that's where the right. Rams and wow. Chargers Stadium is being built yeah. across from the fabulous Forum on Old Century Boulevard. Yeah. In LA. is the Forum still there? It is. Yeah, Gate Dancer was in that race. Jack Vanberg. Boy, do I know that little strip in L.A. there really well. From LAX. Well, I was there there a lot. In fact, Hollywood was on Century Boulevard. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's literally right across the parking lot from the Forum. And, uh, yeah, Gate Dancer and Slew of Gold was the favorite in that race. It was three of them coming down the stretch. Pat Day, that was Pat Day's first big entree to the game. He he won on Wild again. Hard to believe, Dick, that was 34 years ago. It's his 35th Breeders' Cup, man. Mm -hmm. It's been... I don't know what uh, Mr. Gaines thought he was doing when he, John Gaines, the guy who came up with the concept, but it was a great call, and it's been it's just been a great event. It just keeps getting better and better. Everybody in the sport loves it, looks forward to it. Mm. Anything else, Hal? Uh, awesome again. Won, he won the classic one year, didn't he? He did. Uh, 1998, yeah. 20 years ago, which is my personal favorite day ever at any racetrack. What? Which track was that? Churchill Downs. Because in the middle of the card, we had the, Tom Durkin's greatest call. DeHaas, remember DeHaas? Yeah. Hadn't run in two years. Had one prep race. He'd won the 96 mile. My man Michael Dickinson brought him back. And I was walking the turf course with him the night before. He says, we're going to win. He was 11 to 1. I might have bet a few dollars. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how the big wins are always the most memorable? Yes, indeed. And, that was, and Tom Durkin's call was it was the greatest comeback since Lazarus. <laughs> That's a good awesome. story. So glad you're on, Dick. And, uh, yeah, no, just remember, nobody ever bet enough on the winning horse. That is a fact. <laughs> I will tell you this. That day I did. <laughs> oh, All right. Deal. Thanks, Hal. Thanks, Hal. All right. All right. All right, bud. We'll take a break. We'll come back. When we when we say goodbye to Dick, I'll say what I'm I'm getting choked up. I'm I'm a I'm a sap. He is a sap. I am. Uh Matthew and Mikey with the great Dick Girardi, ESPN Sports Radio. Thirteen hundred and ninety two point five FM. Is Matthew and Mikey on ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. All right. I'm a little upset that we only got about 10 minutes. Uh, this really has been one of the great joys for me to have Dick Girardi here the yeah. whole time. Uh, it, it really is. Been, I mean, not just because it's Breeders' Cup week. He has been kind enough to join us for years now. Yeah. For the Derby, for the Preakness, for mm-hmm. the Belmont, and the Breeders' Cup. Yeah. And to have him come here all the way from Louisville. Well, and, the Ville. The Ville. <laughs> and for me to to be able to be here for three hours almost 
and not have to deal exclusively with Me? you. <laughs> it's one of the great joys of my life. This is like an early Christmas present And just think for me, how much Dick. you have learned about horse racing no, today. No, th- that's absolutely the truth. I know who to bet in the juvenile Phillies. There you go. Jay, well, you won't forget her name. By cross By cross train. And, sure. cross, By traffic. cross traffic. And, and it's Jay Walk in front. That's what, that's what we're looking to hear tomorrow. <laughs> from, from, from Larry uh, on NBC. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Dick, I did want to ask you about this. To me, the most intriguing race other than the classic, mm-hmm. which always is, but is the distaff. Mm, oh, boy. You know, I mean, there are some great fillies in that race. you got the last two Kentucky Oaks winners. Abel mm-hmm. Tasman won it last year. Monomoy Girl won it this year. I just happened to – I saw Abel Tasman run in the Cotillion at Parks last year. She finished second. And Monomoy Girl actually finished first in the Cotillion at Parks this year and then got disqualified, unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, you're talking two potential Hall of Fame kind of horses. Monomoy Girl is – put young brad cox on the map i mean he never yeah. had had a grade one until this year and she's gotten him grade one after grade one and he, he you can tell he's going to be one of the next big names in the sport and just came up started going to churchill yeah, downs walking hot he's a good dude man he's, he's he's worked hard to get where yeah. he is and now he's got some good horses and he's just going to keep getting more of them he's over 200 wins on the year yeah. including uh his first grade one was right down the street of keeneland in mm-hmm. the ashland and then he won the kentucky oaks and that's CCA some kind Oaks. of filly, that Monomoy girl. She's a neck from being undefeated. Now, that includes a race where she got disqualified. She finished second, but she's that close to being. She's like got a similar record to Songbird at, at the mm-hmm. time when mm-hmm. she ran in the Breeders' Cup against the Great Beholder a couple of years ago. So yeah, she's she's certainly had a phenomenal season. But, yeah, Abel Tasman, Baffert, Smith, I mean, the duo. And then she ran an uncharacteristically dead dull race last time it was like where did that come and some other really nice fillies in there too very much so midnight oh. bisu who mm, actually yeah. got put up in the cotillion she's a real good three-year-old steve asmussen trains wonder godot wonder wonder godot who was uh second in the kentucky oaks mm-hmm. hasn't really and won two-thirds of the canadian triple crown against the boys mm-hmm. she mm. hasn't been quite the same since she came back out of canada in the summer but yeah there's no shortage of talent in the distaff and that is it used to be the anchor race on friday now they it's all two year old races on Friday. They're calling it Future Stars Friday. So the distaff will be later in the card on Saturday. You think that'll hurt the crowd? It's a really interesting question. I, I I'm not sure. They they try different things at different times with the Breeders' Cup, and they've been mostly innovative. It, it's it's a thought. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I'll know a little more after I watch it tomorrow. Especially if Jaywalk wins. Great idea. Because only <laughs> hardcore horse racing fans know any of these horses Correct. running on Friday. Correct. And, and I think one of the also, maybe, maybe it had something to do with Churchill, but the last Breeders' Cup race tomorrow is the Juvenile, and obviously a lot of those horses we're going to see back in six months. Yeah. Right back at Churchill. I mean, that's the, that's the plan. You got you got Chad Brown with complexity. You got Bob Baffert we talked about before with game winner. Both and undefeated. By both me. undefeated. And there's another horse in there. Keep your eye on the mark. Code of Honor. Shug McGay trains. Mm-hmm. Was second in the champagne behind complexity. But whatever could have gone wrong at the start did. And the horse still ran terrific. So you're talking about three possibilities for mm-hmm. uh, first Saturday. In by the way, Shug and I grew up together. <laughs> yeah, Shug's a good man. I, I saw him for like maybe for 30 seconds yesterday on a backstretch. And I said, Shug. How's Code of Honor going to train in the slop tomorrow? You'll be great. I said, how's he training overall? He's super. I said, Chooks, nice knowing you. <laughs> I like you at 6-1. to one. I just wanted to make sure I was in the right place. <laughs> That's right. about what he said when he won the Derby, too, that year. With yeah, the- or, yeah I, was, or- I was thrilled he got to win the Derby because that was one of the when, – when Easy Goer didn't win, which, of course, the greatest horse right. he's ever had. 
that was so disappointing to a guy who grew up down here, but came back what twenty five years later or so and got it got it done with the yeah. Wow. Uh, real quickly, my last question: Who do you like in the classic? I, I picked McKenzie in the paper, so I'll stay there. But it, it, I could change my mind by late Saturday afternoon. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm going with Bob. Said he was thought he was going to win the Derby with him before he got hurt. Good enough for me. What about you? Or you'll make you know, your I pick li- tomorrow. No, I like Accelerate. Yeah. I'm almost no rooting. With him. Well, when I say I like him, well, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, no, he had, he's had a great year. He yeah. did, and somebody mentioned today, if he was trained by Baffert, he'd probably be like even money. But John Sadler hasn't won a Breeders' Cup race yet. He's going to win one. I mean, he's got a lot of chances this mm-hmm. weekend. But no, terrific horse accelerate for sure. All right, here's the sap moment. Okay. Th- we can't thank you enough for doing this, for seriously, for coming. be one thing if you were staying at across the street here. <laughs> you came from the Ville. I did. And hung out with us for three hours, and there – we could try to give you something, but it wouldn't be worth anything. Gave, we couldn't repay you. You gave me a little mini we football. We did give that you was, a little ESPN football. Gave me, so yeah, it's ter- that was tremendous. great. Um, but thanks, guys, for having me. I, I had a great time, as I always thank do. Thank you, million. We'll expect you back in two years. I'm, I'm, I'm here, man. <laughs> or before. There you or go. before. Sounds Have a good. great time you out there, uh, and we'll catch up with you on the phone. Absolutely. As always. All right, uh, stay tuned, 8 o'clock Talk tonight. Talk to you about Express Bet. Yes. Yes, sir, Express Bet. 8 o'clock tonight, Raiders and the 49ers. We'll see you tomorrow. We hope. Matthew and Mikey, ESPN Sports Radio. 1,392.5 at WLXG in Lexington.